I'm seeing $1.8 million homes with one of their upgrades being vinyl flooring. I just ran into that recently. That was their tier two upgrade. Well, what was the first one? Was it dirt? Welcome Wood Floor Professionals to ATWF, all things Wood Floor, brought to you by Wood Floor Business. I'm your host, Stephen Diggins, with Wood Pro Inc., a division of Horizon Forest Products. Today, David Ford, Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Stoff Adhesives, will discuss several topics, including industry-wide adhesive shortages, why the wood flooring industry can be a race to the bottom, why more people should consider a career in wood flooring, what it's like to work with German design engineering, and more. Before we jump in, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to us by Stoff Adhesives. Without further delay, let's meet today's guest, David Ford. Wood floor pros around the world, let's get to it! All right, David Ford, welcome to Wood Floor Business Magazine's All Things Wood Floor. Thank you for having me, Stephen. I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to you and your audience. I really do. Yeah, I'm excited about this. You know, I think they always, we always kind of start kicking this stuff off from the beginning. How'd you end up in the wood flooring industry? Family. One side of the family was in the aviation business. Uh, my father was a retired colonel from uh, the Air Force. Uh, the other side of my family was from the wood business and in hardwood flooring and in uh, the making there of white oak whiskey barrels. Uh, Seagram's had a plant here in Memphis, Memphis being the hardwood capital of the world. Um, I know that's kind of hard to believe, but it is. There At one time, there were, I believe there were five hardwood flooring mills alone here. And uh, of course, E.L. Bruce was here at Memphis Hardwood, DeSoto Hardwood, and there were a couple of others before my time, but um, they uh, all those were really before my time. But they've uh, since uh, gone by the wayside. But we we the headquartered the National Oak Flooring Manufacturers Association, the NHLA. The hardwood market report is generated out of here. Um, you know, it it was a, a really good connection down the Mississippi for hauling logs, and uh, the hardwood business was was uh, always large i'm just part of that uh, genetic uh, genetic tree and uh, somehow or another i ended up in the hardwood flooring business as well you know i didn't so, know el bruce was down there they were a big tail wagger in our in- industry sure. oh yeah and sure. boy in mcminnville i've played golf down there alone you've got mcminnville and cumberland and a lot of reputable folks yeah that is yeah, a mecca uh, for flooring isn't it it is yeah it is uh, you had uh, uh, well, Tennessee, just in general, you know, it's it's, it's almost kind of like uh, Kentucky and uh, Virginia with regards to, you know, having uh, lots of uh, hardwood flooring or hardwood, period, influence. So you have all that history and Elvis. We got Elvis, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't left the we building got yet, Elvis. apparently. I got into it from the flooring contractor and you're on that other side of it. Were you involved in the flooring contractor and or just straight in from the lumber section? Well, yeah, I mean, I was involved in the flooring contractor in as a kid, um, you know, uh, grandfather had a, uh, uh, sand, sand finish company here in, in Memphis. And, uh, um, we would, as kids, we would go out and we would hammer floors down and, you know, he would pay us, I don't remember a buck an hour or something like that. And, uh, we would, uh, we would go out on jobs and he'd pay us a little bit of something. And I remember as a kid thinking, this is why you go to college because I had a manual nailer and a hammer and in the hot houses with, you know, you're supposed to have heating and air conditioner on that never happens here. Not in Memphis anyway. And you're laying inch and a half flooring, two and a quarter inch flooring at best during that time. And, with a manual nailer, there wasn't no electricity, so there wasn't any, you know, there wasn't uh, pneumatic guns that we were using or anything. So it was it was pretty pretty hot, pretty brutal, and you realize real quick, hey, this is really not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Although now I think you can make such a great living doing it, and I would I would highly recommend somebody to do it if they're physically capable, you know, um, because. Wow. I mean, it, it's a lost and dying art, but yet a demand that still increases. And um, the, the the true craftsmen of that industry are uh, 
they're just going by the wayside. That's unfortunate that they are. You touched on that. I was going to ask you how you, how you thought the business changed since you got into it, but it, you make that assertion. Uh, there aren't enough people. There aren't enough qualified people. Um, there. Why do you think there aren't enough hardwood flooring contractors? In, in your opinion, everybody's got one. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be my opinion, but my my opinion is, is here in the United States, we have colleged ourselves to death. We've colleged ourselves into a hole where, you know, um, the only way you can make a living anymore is everybody go to school. Well, we've become a bunch of educated idiots in in some regards uh, because, you know, a friend of mine is a welding, welding instructor. He told me uh, the other day, he said, these guys that are coming out of welding school now are making, uh, you know, 75 to 85 a year um, uh, debt free and, and uh, being able they can turn around and go back to school uh, on in some sort of college capacity and never have to, you know, never have to uh, come out of pocket or go, go to loans for it. So um, the unfortunate side is, is that we as a as a country have worked ourselves, we, you know, now, let me back up and say this. I don't think that we, I don't think, Stephen, we, uh, we don't manufacture anything anymore. We manage everything. Yeah. And in managing everything, we lose a lot of art, a lot of hands-on, a lot of uh, technical know-how. And, um, you know, it's nobody wants to actually run the sander. Everybody wants to go to school to learn how to engineer that sander. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of where we've come to as a society. And unfortunately, our society is losing skilled craftsmen and, and tradesmen that, uh, that, that, that the demand has never slowed down for. And now the the demand is uh, is still there with fewer people to slice it up between. And now these guys are getting to 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 name their own their own their own dimes and nickels as far as what it costs per square foot. You know, I, I have a. I, I was just talking with a friend of mine the other day that was that just uh, received a, a grant on a bid for for uh, seven inch white oak flooring, selecting better that he put down for a little over fifty three bucks a square foot. Right. So when you start looking at stuff like that, you think, "Wow, do the math." How many square feet was it? Yeah, you know, it was about eh, seven thousand square feet. You know, now we're talking about a chunk of change. That's a lot of money there. So, it's a lot of money involved in that. And the better you are, the more that you can demand to have a, a friend here locally in Memphis that has been doing this his whole life. And uh, he asked me just recently. He goes, "What? What do you think I could make as like a a technical director somewhere?" I said, "You know." 75 85 I, you know i don't know it just depends you know, it depends on the company he goes for technical knowledge in the hardwood flooring industry i said yeah probably he might make might make 90 might make 100 i don't know right. he goes well he looked at me and he said well it seems like then i would have to take a significant pay cut to come, right. come in and do, right. and do that <laughs> and i said you know, in the Memphis market, I said, "Are you are you really doing that well?" And he's he said, "Let's just say that last year I just reported about three hundred and twenty, and I said dollars. <laughs> Get my tool belt. Thousand? What are we? He's, yeah. But he said, "Yeah, I reported like the Godfather. Drag me back in. Hey, bring me in. They keep dragging me back. Oh in. man." Uh, yeah, I mean the guy. The guy's making a killing. You don't get to say uh, I studied at Duke University. You don't get to say all that. But guess what? Uh, you might go by the you might go by the parking lot on the way to the restaurant and wonder whose Porsche that was. And it may not be the general practitioners. It might be the flooring contract. You know, it's been said that right now the state of the market, the state of the industry, is quote you know a race to the bottom. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean that is uh, what I tell my salespeople all the time. Yeah, Our industry true. is uh, a race to the bottom. It always has been, um, and I'm just speaking of the floor covering industry and as a whole, hardwood flooring being part of that. Um, it, it is a race to the bottom. 
um, simply based on square footage price. Uh, uh, that's how most people are selling now. You know, they're not selling features and benefits. They're selling um, a warm body in front of somebody, you know, and they don't, uh, distributors don't invest in their salespeople well enough to see that if I give them the actual training, they actually understand how to sell features and benefits. Oh, so the, the contractor can the, benefit from that, from from getting those features, offering to their customers, yeah, value-added yeah. service kind of a thing. Yeah, value-add. Yeah, even, even at distributor level, you know. Why, why as a – let's just say like you guys at, at WoodPro. Yeah. Let's just say that uh, you guys got, I don't know, I know this is hypothetical, but if you had engineer hardwood floor and somebody comes in looking for a hardwood floor that's a half inch thick, that's really got a good wear layer on it, uh, they don't want to have to replace that, you know, uh, six years down the road. They're going to say, hey, Stephen, uh, tell me what's the story with this one. This one's wide and this one looks thick. And when it's actually got a, you know, a 32nd of an inch wear layer, whereas I can take you over to this one and this one's got, you know, a, a quarter inch wear layer or three sixteenths inch wear layer, you know, which one, which one of these pieces is going to last longer and why? Right. Um, it can be, it can be a difference in finishes. It can be difference in uh, the way that the product is installed. It, whatever the feature and benefit is, if you're not knowledgeable about it, the consumer or the or the purchaser is going to turn around and look at you and go, I don't think this guy knows what he's talking about. And he's right. not comfortable with it. Right. You, you know, you can sell off a of technical knowledge. But anyway, that's uh, going but, down. Oh, it's a good way to go. Do you think that there's a, a lack of um, technical knowledge and, and training in not only the field, but also in, and we talk about wholesale, but manufacturing as well. Is that tough to get people that are on the level they need to be to, to communicate in our field and technically in hardwood flooring? Even on the manufacturer's level? I mean, you're mm -hmm. an adhesive manufacturer. Obviously, you guys get a bad rap all the time because you're working with engineered products. And I hear misnomers about engineered product all the time. Ridiculously silly things. Like, well, no one wants yeah. that. That stuff's junk. Well, that's because what you're buying for $1.99 is not what we're selling. Like you said, six millimeter layer, wear layer, half inch or three quarter thick, engineered with a, a you know, a sliced veneer. Maybe it's quarters on. I think that I know when I deal with your people and the people that are on that end, um, they tend to be pretty technically savvy when you get to that level. Yeah, yeah I think the interesting thing that I, I find is that the – the tra it's lost. It gets lost in translation. Okay. Um, so what I what I as a manufacturer have come in and taught uh, the wood pro salespeople as a distributor, and the distributor turn around and sells to the retail sector, and what they tra transfer to the retail sector salesperson on the floor, where Miss Consumer comes in and purchases a floor. There's, you know, there's three levels of, uh, of translation that it can get lost through. You know, I've always been a proponent of someone else's sense of urgency is never your sense of urgency. <laughs> no, it's it the isn't. Whole, you, you know, it's the whole, uh, what's what's the thing where you used to sit in a circle and, and, and you, you said a word. Like grapevine. Go around. Yeah. I know this grapevine. By the time it got to the other person. Yeah, it started out as a dishwasher, and by the time it gets around to him, it's a you know fiat currency. Oh, so, absolutely. You know, it's so so it, it it is lost in translation, and unfortunately, people only retain what they're interested in, and a lot of people are not interested in. It. I mean, a lack of training, uh, technical knowledge is skipped as a fundamental um, that all sales personnel should know. If you if you skip those fundamentals. And we're, we're, we're building on nothing more than relationships. And I am not a proponent of, of saying that that's not important. It very much is important. Those relationships are important. But who are you going to buy from? A guy who comes in and slaps you on the back and says, I got these three colors and these two species. Let's go to lunch. What are you going to, what, what do you, where do you want to go play golf? Yeah. Are you going to talk to the guy who comes in and says, um, no, you can get that three inch, five inch. Uh, you can you can get it in maple. You can get it in red oak. I can get it in white oak. 
I can get it in select and better. I can get it in number one common and I get them in random links, uh, you know, random bundles, seven foot, all the way up to seven foot. You're, you're more comfortable talking to the guy who sounds like he knows what he's talking about because he's invested the time and he, he's interested in it. You he, offer he the consumer what they want. Yeah. You know, if, not what you want to sell. Yeah. That is a big thing. Yeah. When I was coming up through the ranks, I think that was always it. I went head over heels for the knowledge part, and I didn't sound like a salesman. I would ask what the customer wants, how do we meet that technically, and what products we need aesthetically, whatever that is. And another person in this area would say, well, if you don't have Red Oak Clear with Fabulon, then you have the wrong people doing your floors. And that got a little to wear on people because the paradigm, the Amazon paradigm today is uh, you know, fast, um, yeah. quick lightning service, answer my questions, don't get back to me another time, answer them now, and find for me what I want quick it's that net zero <laughs> speed 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 delivery let's go yeah it's amazing yeah. and in hardwood flooring it's it's a similar thing people listen this is what i want and how do i get it and i when i work with designers and engineers sometimes it's a fight because they want to prove to their customer that money will get them anything and sometimes technically it's a super bad idea now, it, maple yeah, it can be a on very, a slab, yeah. glued down it, it, with all the wrong conditions, but that's what they want to see because sure. it's pretty. And it's my job sure. to explain where we need to be if sure. we want to get something like this correct right from the very beginning. You know, in the compass I, I, of a business, when these when people say, I run a flooring business, and they add the word business, let's let's start with profit. Your compass in business is profitability. That's the lifeblood of what you do. It buys your tools, buys your equipment, feeds your family. If the compass is to to gain a profit from what you do, you know, which is fairly deserved, don't you find that this lack of training, it, it definitely has an impact on profitability? Every time. Yeah. I mean, you know, let me back up and say, sure. that, you know, a lot of the carpet and vinyl people are, they have to sell hardwood floor too. And unfortunately, it it comes down to color. Yeah. <laughs> the consumer, you know, the the consumer doesn't know what they want. No, the consumer comes in and shows you a picture out of such and such magazine yep. and says, "Hey, I want this. Yeah, this right here. Waving their phone is, at I you. want that. Yeah, I want. I'm waving your phone because that's a great example. I, what they said is, I want this color. Yes, I want this kind of look." And I eventually, I eventually want my my decor in the house to look like this too. Right. This is what I want. This is the the appearance that I'm going for. Right. Well, it's up to you as an installer or or, or a, a retail salesperson, distributor salesperson. It's up to you to steer the consumer in what it is that they want. You steer them the wrong way, now you're going to look like an idiot, and you you've lost confidence. You're going to lose margin. It happens every time. Uh, you got to go. You know, you, you got to go into into some technical knowledge to increase your margin, because I can assure you that if a consumer is out there on the street and they're going out to buy hardwood flooring from X, Y, Z, they're going to go back to the people who know what they're talking about. Right. Oh, that's X, Y, Z flooring over there. Yeah. Last time I was over there, they had a, a whole display of solids and engineers, and they explained to me why I'd need one here and another one here. And what species would work with what what conditions and what quarter song was and I didn't even know there was such a thing as quarter song versus flat. So, do you think that with all this that that it's because of this that I think I'm seeing and you're probably seeing things that look like flooring are making a big impact right now. All sorts of things that are not wood that look supposedly like wood are getting involved here. Yeah, the unfortunate side of that is is that they're not increasing the value of the home. You. you know, you're not. It, it's not a selling point to say, "Hey, it's got uh, two thousand feet of vinyl in." Right. Uh, not, not as a, not as a shot to the, to the, to the vinyl. It has its no. place, yeah. but I've been seeing. I'm seeing one point eight million dollar homes with one of their upgrades being vinyl flooring. I just ran into that recently. That oh, that was a that was their tier two upgrade. Right. Well, well, what was the first one? Was it dirt? You know, I, I, because I, I mean, we're we're talking about. Uh, you know, pennies, honestly, in manufacturing cost per square foot uh, versus a piece of floor uh, lumber 
you know, wood that is actually actually going to have some value. Um, you know, I, I I think it's still I think it's still unknown as to what. Yeah, let me say it this way, Stephen. That the truth is, is our industry is always changing. You've watched it ebb and flow over the over your whole life, and hardwood takes, you know, a front and center stage, and it and it goes away for a little while, and then it comes back. But the one thing that I like about hardwood though is that it may, as far as its popularity is, is in installing in new homes, regardless of whether or not it's installed. It never loses its style. No. It's always ageless. Always. It's always ageless. Now, it may take on different looks. You know, it may look look gray right now. Or it may look, you know, the latest trend that's coming back is completely clean white oak floors. Uh, just, you know, uh, select clear. Yep. Uh, uh, wide, wide, wide boards that are not too wide, mm-hmm. um, and they're coming back. Uh, that is a that is a big trend on uh, on the West Coast that I'm seeing right now. It it it's going to look different than the grays, the gray and the white, which are really popular right now. Gray, right gray, now, gray, gray, all over the place. Which are very popular right now, but it's it's going to change. And it, you know, if 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 for anyone that's a retailer out there that wants to know exactly what's going to happen with our flooring industry, and I don't care if it's a vinyl carpet, LVT, VCT, I don't care wood, it doesn't matter what it is. Just go to the furniture market about five years earlier. Right. That'll tell you what your flooring is going to do. That's where it's coming from. Right. You and I were both around doing adhesive testing in the 90s. I was using uh, Bruce Everbond LP. It, it, you know that one. That Was a, was that a trichlorosolvent? Was that yeah. Okay. Thick, heavy one, one, duty. And remember, put it down and go have lunch, and then come back and yeah. wipe your hand across it. If it's stuck to your fingers, it's not ready yet. If it's pliable right. and doesn't stick to your fingers, go ahead and, and right. put flooring and roll it with a 150 pound roller. That's where I think you and I came into it. I was doing testing, and you mentioned, you know, just because you can do a vinyl floor doesn't mean you can do wood. Well. We had people throwing vinyl flooring adhesive at the wood flooring industry because they were looking for make people rich yeah. with a big answer to solvent-free, low VOC was the new terminology. Yeah. And those glues were an absolute nightmare. That's where you came into this whole picture. Give me, give me some of that. Yeah, I was, uh, I, when I was working for Anderson Tully at Capella at the time, um, and I was looking to private label an adhesive for the company. And a friend of mine was working at uh, this particular adhesive company, and uh, we were using a full filled finish where we finish where we filled all the spring wood in the process of the you know where it was like a piano grade finish if you oh. will, and piece of furniture. And uh, that was a, again going back to trends. That was a trend at the time, right? So uh, the problem with it was is that the engineered wood or the 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 peeled lumber that we were using, a lot of times it would, uh, if it took on any kind of water at all, any kind of moisture, it would wrinkle across the face. I'm sure some of your audience has seen that where, you know, well, an engineered floor get, gets wet and it, it kind of wrinkles. It looks like a, uh, like a dried up paper towel, if you will. So, um, but at any rate, I had tried several water-based adhesives and it wouldn't work because of that. It would uh, give that appearance. This friend of mine called me and said, hey, I, I got something over here you need to see. And I said, uh, so help me if it's another water-based finish, I'm, uh, water-based adhesive, I'm going to kill you. I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't even want to be over there. I don't want to come over there. Um, and he said, no. He goes, I've got something called, uh, it's an MS polymer. And this, understand, this, understand, this was in, in the year 2002, 2001 where there was no such thing in the industry at that time. He goes, and I've got some, I've got a solvent. And I said, come on, man, solvents are gone. He goes, I said, what, they get an extension or something? He said, no, 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 no. He goes, this is an alcohol-based solvent. And I said, what? So uh, I said, you got my attention. Let me come look at it. So I went over and looked at it, and he and sure enough, they had a urethane, and they had a water base, and they had something called MS polymer that I had never dealt with at the time. And I thought they were calling it more of a hybrid, kind of a, a moisture cured, but it wasn't urethane. But it wasn't, you know, I was like, okay, so that's interesting. And it cleans off the face of the boards. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. 
so I got down, I was messing with all of them and I got to messing with their, you know, uh, this, the uh, WFR 930 solvent. I got messing with that thing and I stood up and uh, wiped my hands and uh, threw my rag down. And I said, well, boys, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend that one for private label. Well, which one's the solvent? Yeah, I sure am. Why? Well, I said, it does what the old trichlors did. There's a lot of guys out there who've been on their knees who still understand trichlor. It's alcohol. It is never going to go away because it's not trichloroethylene. It's uh, it's alcohol-based. And unless they ban, you know, uh, your car or, or uh, beer, we're, we're, we're in good Full shape. Prohibition so, again. Uh, Here we go. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, I said people will enjoy that. And then uh, – I guess it was probably maybe a, a month later, you know, they called me and said, look, I don't know why you picked that one, but would you be interested in, you know, possibly looking at coming to work for the company? And I said, yeah, I'm a wood guy. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a chemical guy, you know, and uh, uh, 18 years later, here I am. So, uh, you know, I've been here ever since. I remember a long time ago, there was a point in this country where, parquets and the early engineered flooring saved everybody's butts because they're in the south we had gone sure. through a really mothballed mills and plants all over the place shutting down and they were able to use um hot tar and cold stick mastic remember that one and able to get floors to yeah. stay down and do a lot throughout the south and then today we're, we get a lot more um glue down with engineered etc but you know you you had mentioned something once to me and i wrote it down because i thought it was interesting to throw in my mental notebook that i hadn't heard too often was you mentioned products can be over engineered and i wasn't sure exactly what you meant by that yeah um if i would say this it probably the best way to say it is that uh german manufacturing is over engineered and i don't really care which which product it is it right. can be hair dryers it can be shavers it can be uh, hardwood flooring adhesive. It can be, it can be whatever. It can be, uh, uh, it can be, you know, literally any product. Uh, chainsaws, you know, they they. It's just made to last and built. Homes, same way, you know, a, a home in, in America that's you know 50, 70 years old. We're considering, hey, that's a pretty old house, you know. Uh, you know, the the youngest one they have is one hundred and seventy five years. I can't remember, I remember the first time I went to Germany for to go to the plant. We were going in some of these restaurants that were old homes turned into restaurants. And I would say, how, how old is this house? And I said, uh, I think it's, I think it's 240 years old. And I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> you know, this is older than, this is, is it a castle? You were in? Yeah, no, it was, it was just a regular Did they have a house, moat in you know? front, front yard? Okay. Well, they would take you down in the basement and you would see these old stack stone archways, right. you know, that were, that were built like, you know, in the, in the 1600s, you know, you're like, what? who does this? But the house is still standing. Right. And adhesive is no different. Um, these guys, you know, our guys, hats off to, to Dr. Frank Goldman. Um, he, he is concerned about performance. He is not concerned about, uh, he's not concerned about really what it costs. He's worried about performance. You know, that it, it has to it has to work it cannot fail and i can say that you know in my my tenure here i've had uh probably can count legitimate claims maybe on one hand maybe in 18 years i had more than that in a week with hardwood flooring right. you know so uh, yeah i mean they do a really good job that it's uh the they over-engineer it. And what I mean by that specifically, Stephen, is, is it's, so, it's over-engineered to the point to where, like, if one particular adhesive that's on the market, and I won't mention any names because we can't here, but right. if it, 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 there are, there are uh, adhesives on the market that have 180 PSI shear strength, okay? That's more than enough to keep your hardwood floor glued down to a slab. I mean, we're talking even an F5 tornado coming through would not suck it all Absolutely. off the floor at that point. But understand that uh, that same type of product from Germany, from our guys, I mean, if it's not if it's not pushing the uh, the shear strength meter to 320, 340, 350, right. sometimes 800, sometimes 1100, sure. 
it's over engineered. You don't need anything like that. It's like That's overkill. Crazy. I get it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that way overkill. It could be and a good I, thing. It could be not a good. It be, could be just overdoing everything. Well, that makes yeah, sense. And, and look, I have specifically asked for products that would be more, you know, uh, more acceptable or maybe maybe they would be more cost effective inside the United States. And the fact is, is that they'll just flat out tell you that's this is that's the way we make the glue. Right. Head fizzy hills. That, that's well, what we get. You're right. That's why I think you're right. In our country, a lot of times people are looking for a good, better, best for this amount. You can have good, better or best. And then you have to decide what the features and benefits are. But you're right. A lot of European countries, a lot of like ISO certified companies or countries go straight for, you know, best. And that's all we make. And that and that's just where it is. And you're, you're like you're saying, if some of that were to be dialed back and cost a bit, the customer consumer is still getting exactly what they need or better without overpaying and overdoing all of that. It, you had mentioned, too, um, products uh, in applications like this have a, a fitness of duty. And I haven't heard that, but it seemed when you were talking to me about it, it made a lot of sense. Can you, can you go over that one with me? So, that, Well, you know, there's a couple of things that I – I can talk about around that point fitness for duty is that a product is basically fit for a specific duty. And there's warranties implied inside that according to the law, right. you know, the UCC, the universal commercial code basically says that there's uh, if anybody who took business law understands that there's a, uh, an express or implied warranty by stating that it does X, Y, Z. Well, a lot of times people are not using the right product for the right particular installation fitness for duty means that it's suited for that particular purpose um and, and if you're if you're incapable if, if you think that you can put down uh just any old carpet vinyl adhesive underneath a piece of hardwood flooring you're sadly mistaken sadly mistaken it may perform as you walk out the door and but eventually it's going to fail due to whatever reason be it it's water-based the water finally seeps into the back of it. Now it's starting to cup all over the floor. You're getting a call back. Uh, it's water-based and moisture migration through the slab starts to emulsify that particular adhesive over the period of time. And the, the floor is loose now. Um, I can go on and on. There are all kinds of examples of things that are not fit. Um, but the one thing that I, I, I find very interesting in our industry is that a lot of manufacturers and a lot of uh, manufacturers of flooring, rather, um, in their in their particular warranties, what they're stating is, well, the only way you're going to get the warranty, the only way you're going to get a warranty uh, is if you use our particular adhesive. Right. Well, there there's a there's a there's an inherent problem with that, um, just from the standpoint that, first of all, um, it's illegal to make such a statement. You can't. You, there's a there's a tie-in exclusion in the Magnuson Law that basically says you cannot make if you have if you have brand A lawnmower the only way that you're going to keep brand A lawnmower in top running condition and that, that it will be warranted is if you use brand B lawnmower blades by that particular manufacturer. Well, there's a problem with that, and the problem with that is that uh, the tie-in exclusion says, no, there's an express and implied warranty of fitness for duty and, and that your particular product is going to perform at a certain level and for a certain function. And therefore, because of that, um, you, can't, you, you can't tie in other products to, to your warranty. Kind of monopolistic. It, it's illegal according – yeah, it, it does monopolize. And I'm, I'm trying to remember what – what exactly the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act? It basically is tie-in sales provisions. In general, tie-in sales provisions are prohibited. A tie-in sales provision requires a purchaser of a warranted product to buy a particular item or service from a specified company to use with the warranted product in order to be eligible to receive the benefits of that warranty. Um, that's deceptive. So anybody who says you got to use this adhesive with this particular flooring there is no law stating that and by your and by law they cannot tie that in we've overcome that with by saying hey you know what uh i'll cover all i'll cover everything i'm going to cover every kind of warranty that you have with the adhesive and um 
we've we've actually created uh, uh, partnerships out of set, out of said types of uh, uh, you know inclusions. Hey, look, I'll cover every piece of flooring that you got in your house in your barn. I'll cover every type of flooring that you got because the wood doesn't know what goes over the top of it or underneath it rather. Right. Well, I guess it's making over the top of it, depending upon how much knowledge you've invested in. Right. So exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, the wood doesn't care whose glue it is underneath. It just, it just needs something that it, that causes it to bond. It doesn't care whose it is. This episode is brought to you by Stealth Adhesives. Stauff innovations continue after nearly 200 years in the adhesive industry. Stauff's chemistry-based approach in manufacturing and product development allows for the creation of adhesives that solve many types of problematic flooring issues. With technologies that are green, sustainable, and truly advanced, Stauff has solidified its place in the world of adhesives. When seeking a solution for installation issues, stick with Stauff and stick with what works. Find out more at www.staufusa.com. That's S-T-A-U-F-U-S-A.com. Now let's get back to Stephen's talk with Stauf's David Ford. David, talking about adhesives, and we all know that it, between COVID and the economy and the freezing going on in Texas, etc., I've been told by everybody in the adhesive and chemical uh, industry that there have been huge problems. Tell me about all of those and how they affected our industry. Basically, what happened was uh, we got hit with the perfect storm uh, on multiple fronts. In the middle of the end of late March uh, this past year, there was a massive flash uh, winter ice storm that hit the Houston area, if you you would recall. Um, The freeze was bad enough to create flash freezing in some of the petrochemical plants. And that, uh, that uh, those are some of the plants that create some of the prepolymers and stuff for many industries, not only the adhesive industry, but plastic industry. So PVC was hit, plastic pails were hit, plastic sheeting was hit, everything was hit. It caused shortages uh, to those industries by the by the gajillions. And, uh, you know, I, I, it it's still being felt today. Here we are in August. Um, COVID-19 was already a problem uh, from the standpoint that, that drivers were trying to stay away from positions, uh, their their driving positions to avoid coming in contact and customers and coming in contact, becoming ill themselves because they still didn't know a lot about COVID at that particular point in time. And so a lot of business went went through the lockdown and there wasn't really a whole lot of need for freight to transfer across the, across the industry. So, um, so the, so the demand for goods went down the federal government came along and they subsidized the coronavirus relief fund that in essence gave a lot of the employees more money to stay at home and accept the relief fund than it did for them actually go out and work and, and make a living. So this caused a further lack of trucking and shipping for a period of time throughout the U.S. as employees were making more money to, to just be at home. And it, it, that that I, I get all of the above, the, least, the four mentioned uh, reasons, all of that caused a drain on raw material suppliers globally, not just inside the United States. So Houston was upset, and then they started looking to other markets to get it. Okay, well we'll get you know we'll get petrochemicals from this. You know, it's a it, it's a byproduct. Some of the products that are used in the in the building of adhesives uh, is a byproduct from the petrochemical industry. So the U.S. manufacturers started trying to get it from Europe and and Europe had a drain or a sudden spike in their demand, which that caused the problem for them and other markets. And, uh, and it takes time to ramp up. If you're wanting more, more of that, it takes time to get that ramped up. So there was also another natural, some sort of disaster in Europe with raw materials suppliers, so, something that was a fire in some of the, uh, some of the actual manufacturing facilities. Um, so, in their domestic production in Europe, they were short there as well. So now we got a drain on it from America. We've got a drain on it from internal, and uh, they they just couldn't keep up. China became a net importer instead of a, a you know a, a lending to this petrochemical uh, issue. So the first time in history they become a, a net importer, um, and they're putting demand on petrochemicals plants all over the globe. Uh, uh, most manufacturers went into a force majeure scenario because they weren't, they didn't have the, the raw materials to make the products. Uh, and the distributor, 
they they would we were having to allocate to distribution and shipping costs have risen due to all of this as much as 100 uh, percent transatlantic as high as 100 uh, percent and even more i mean i know people uh, that were paying four and five thousand dollars for a container to get across the ocean that are now over eleven thousand um, for that same container so it, it, it was stupid and then it caused you know with the covid uh, being here it caused sometimes 60 70 percent is 80 uh, percent is uh freight j- just on domestic freight and then, so now you've got back up at the ports now you know you've got everything adding to it and it's going to be a while before it all catches up and i'm going to say that we might start i'm seeing i'm seeing just hints of relief right now steven i mean just very few hints of it but uh, and it, as of we re- record this as of August uh, what seventeenth, um, but I would say that it's going to be first quarter next year, maybe even mid year before we we really start seeing some things start to happen on the on the adhesive front. A lot of people have not felt it, but um, a lot of people, a lot of the bigger manufacturers, bigger distributors have rather have have gone in and said, you know what, um, if they got it, buy all they got, but buy everything that they have. Absolutely. Let me have everything that they have. So we we ran into the toilet paper scenario of you know yes, and and that's that, that's what's happened to our industry. That's why people haven't been able to get adhesives and it hadn't been around. Um, so uh, unfortunately, it is where we are. Um, some of the some of the petrochemical plants are coming back online. Uh, freight is easing up a little bit. We're starting to get some relief in the ports. Um, but it's it's going to be slow goes it. We did have the perfect storm. That's what happened. That's why people don't see adhesives like they used to. And the, still the, exists as much. I had a, 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 uh, one of our uh, people told me that they had they were cut off from their plant in Germany from an avalanche in the middle of all this. Wiped out a whole town. Wiped out the railway system. And and we were talking about that because here in the states, people are calling us liars. We're making up stories, and it goes. Yeah, because our consumers are like fast and perfect. Where's my fast and perfect? I'll just go to Amazon. Yeah. Okay, I know you're conditioned yeah. for that, but they don't believe any of this. Everything's uh, COVID's a lie, and the distribution, the trucking, and the fuel is a lie, and prices shouldn't go up ever, and there aren't any of these natural disasters. And somebody said to me today, their company, their company just got super fouled by what's going on in the Middle East, and that doesn't. He explained that to me. And you you said it. There are so many contributing factors, and all we can tell wow. our customers is that product is not available. It's just not here. I think if you would have told me uh, ten years ago that so much of our internal domestic production for plastics is a byproduct of the Houston market, I would have told you, "Oh, well, you can get it somewhere else." Right? No. I thought that no. too. I thought of it this way. I heard about this freeze. They, they had a cold snap. Well, I'm from New England. Nine months is a cold snap. We have a cold snap and we have July. I'm like, yeah, so Texas, yeah, it's, you know, whatever. No, and somebody said to me, you're not in the loop on this. It lasted a long time and valves broke. Like, you mean like, no, like on those super tankers that you see in fields full of things are popping, exploding, catching fire. They can't make chemicals. Uh, and you ask anybody that makes screens for sanding, there's really only two companies that make those products, and then or, um, or, or polyurethane. And they'll say, oh, no, really, there's really one place we get this, and we all have to divvy it up. If they don't have it, we're all toast. Same thing I found yeah. out with this. Glue, paint thinner, adhesives, you name it, shot to hell. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen, when, I, when, I, when we get off this podcast, I'm going to send you some photos of, of- – the actual petrochemical plants and some of the things that happened. I've got photos of it. It's you know what? Well, let's get those pictures into Wood Floor Business Magazine, and I think that'd be great. I'll write a little something about it. There's, that's a lot of, that people, you know, and listen, people are still going to want fast and perfect. And then we sure. got we have to scramble. I, I, you know, there'd be people with five gallon pails of Skippy peanut butter and trowel going at it in another week. This is, we. we I told you, I had a guy call and that, say, that you know, I, I didn't have any glue, so I dry laid it. And I called Howard Brickman at that time, and I said, I don't want to tip my hand that maybe I'm not the know it all I think I am, but I don't <laughs> know what dry laying. And he goes, he was quiet. I'm like, uh oh. He said, explain it to me. This was a while ago, and I said. 
the floor is beautiful. It's, it's tight. It's net fit. It's, it's engineered. It's beautiful. It's against the stone hearth. And when you walk on it, it's like rolling over a deck of cards or like walking on a bouncy castle. So I went back sure. down into the house and I said, eh, eh, explain the dry, th- the dry. Th- is that in the instructions? And he goes, I just, you know, put it down. And I go, no nails, right? Yeah. No glue. No. What about seam yeah. glue? No, no, it just looked real nice. I put it down. Well, our humid good. comes, it's on a lake. Now it's up. And I, I was laughing. I turned to the realtor. She's no expert. And she says, my guess, easiest fix ever. I go, yeah, adhesive. Lift it up, glue it down, be done with it. We're good. We're on our way. Uh, listen, we, one thing we'll never run out of is stories in, in our industry. They're they're all over the uh, place. You know, I was thinking the same thing. Stephen and I should do an episode just on the stories. Just on stories. Just on, just on the things that people have done and, and happened. Think, I, got, I can remember I was in Kentucky and I got chased out of a house with a, uh, a one-by-one, uh, like a sticker that goes on a pack of lumber. I was chased out of the house with the with the guy swearing that the floor was going to do that. The reason that it cupped is because it does that when the water comes out of the wood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, and he, I swear to you, he chased me in the front yard and I got in the car and left, waiting for the distributor sales rep to get in. I said, man, I am not, <laughs> not dealing with this idiot. Yeah. Um, so I've got tons and tons of stories, tons of them. Well, let's let's table those for another time. We'll have a big old party. Let's talk a little bit about what you uh, what you what you do at Stoff, because uh, about almost two hundred years ago, Eberhard Stoff was a tanner, if I remember correctly, and decided during a depression that he could make adhesive from the chemicals he was using in tanning. And now you have a job, and we're buddies. So see how that worked. It only took two hundred <laughs> yeah. years. We're a path. Right. Well, bam. We're there you go. Boom. Yeah. It's. St- so it started out. Uh, it started as an adhesive company in 1828. Yeah. Uh, it was prior to that. It was a tannery in the 1600s, all the way back to 16, uh, 1690 something. I can't remember. I think it's back as the Stouts owning it all the way back to the 1692. Uh, I believe it was somewhere around there, and you know, give or take a couple of years, we count. Um, but it, it was a tannery, and they were finding, you know, as you as you tan you hides, you know, you. You have a lot of the, the fat and all of the uh, the byproducts of uh, of a tannery. Uh, that was when uh, hide glue became a big deal, and oh, yeah. that's where you know furniture glue and things started becoming uh, very popular for use with musical instruments, furniture, anything having to do with wood. Really, that you needed the glue with was made from hide glue, the very dense uh, glue that had no pliability to it, but it did stick. And um, in in that era, um, the uh, adhesive started to become more profitable than the tannery. And the tannery, they finally shut that down and said, hey, we're in the glue business. And that was in 1828. And then from 1828, they've just developed over the years after generation after generation. Currently in its sixth generation, moving on to its seventh generation right now. And it is still the only adhesive company that focuses on flooring. Um, that I know of, that I'm that I'm currently aware of. Um, there's others that get into automotive and aerospace and that type of technology, but we've uh, always been uh, been smaller, uh, more focused focused on flooring and the flooring industry. Um, it's still privately held. Uh, it is not publicly traded company. Um, the uh, two two of the staff brothers are still involved. Uh, their mother was until uh, probably, I'd say, 11, 12 years ago. Uh, she passed away. Um, father passed away at a very young age. Um, and so the two brothers are still involved. And uh, one of them is Wolfgang Stout, who is my, my partner here inside the United States. This is a separate LLC than the actual manufacturing facility in Germany, you know, for legal liability and, and, and contractual uh, reasons, but um, the we've been inside the United States now for right at 20 years, 20, 21 years, I think. Uh, it started roughly in 2000. Um, I came on in about 2003 or two, three, somewhere around there. Uh, and uh, we are, uh, we have uh, grown exponentially through um, reputation, good name 
good products, sure. uniqueness, product uniqueness. And um, uh, we, we're not the average, we're not the everyday Me Too uh, adhesive company. A lot of adhesive companies out there, and there's uh, very few that are differentiated very much. And uh, the Germans have, uh, they got some uniqueness. I mean, they were the first ones here with an MS polymer. Uh, we were the first ones back here with a solvent. Um, that we were the first ones to come up with a, a three-in-one application, you know, yes. oh, yeah. uh, one path, one path. Is that uh, vapor, so, um, sound, adhesion? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So uh, people started sitting up, taking notice, and, hey, taking notice that these guys are, they're a little different. They do things a little different. And I can remember some some of my competitors coming by going, hey, what's this X, Y, Z? And I would say, Ah, it's just an adhesive. That's a bigger question is, is why do you want to know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was all competition. That's your trade secrets. So listen, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you scoot, but let, let me throw some quick fire questions at you. And you just give me okay. the, the quickest answers you got. Because I always turn these in into another half hour podcast. So I'm going to behave myself. I'll throw them at you. You give me your answers and I'll let you scoot. So, Biggest flooring pet peeve. What do you got? Uh, bad craftsmanship. Yeah. Uh, sanded fence. Bad sanded fence. If you weren't in the wood flooring industry, what do you think you might be doing? Aviation. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Uh, who is somebody in the industry that you may or may not have met that you'd like to work with or talk with or hang out with? Uh, you know, the guy that I didn't get to hang out with much that I really would have liked to have would have been uh mac from uh uh power nail power great nail. guy yeah he was a great guy he's passed away he's since gone but what a super guy what a what a guy full of knowledge and and just hilarious just you don't appreciate your fastener salesman you're not hanging out with the right people in this industry <laughs> those guys are fun <laughs> they are fun and yeah, to tell us great tell guy. all the people in our podcast the truth is Carpeting in your house? No carpeting? Was is there carpeting in your home? Uh, upstairs. Glued down? All downstairs. Glued down or nailed down? All, <laughs> all of it. All of it's uh, nailed down except for one room, and I have a half inch, uh, nine inch, uh, glued down from uh, Mulligan. That Thank works. you, Neil. <laughs> David Ford, I really, really appreciate you hanging out with me. It was great meeting you finally, and uh, and and talking has been fantastic. And I couldn't thank you enough for doing this uh, little show we got going here with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope it was beneficial to somebody. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Wood Floor, sponsored by Stout Adhesives. And don't forget to subscribe to All Things Wood Floor to make sure you don't miss a single episode.